0: Welcome to the weekly podcast of Bright Star Bible Church. I'm Pastor Michael Branch. So as we begin, we pray, Lord, sanctify us in truth. Your word is truth. Today we're going to do continue our uh, uh, mask of the beast study, and we're going to talk about um, administrations today. I know that sounds like a, a riveting um, topic, but I think you will really um, you'll really enjoy. If you can follow it, I think you'll really enjoy uh, where we're going with it. Let's start, though, with a word of prayer, shall we? Lord Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your love and your grace and mercy that you have, uh, Lord, lavished upon us. And uh, we are so undeserving, but, Lord, um, we know that it is in your because of your love and grace and mercy you offer it to us. And so, Lord, I just pray that if there's anyone watching right now who has... Uh, never come before you and made that decision to, to, uh, put you in control of their life, to submit to you, to die to self and, and rest in you and your mercy and your grace. Lord, I just pray that today would be the day they would do that. Lord, we ask for your, um, uh, your wisdom and revelation as we open the word of God and we look at the word and we ask that you would just, um, bless us in, uh, in knowing you more deeply as we study your word together. Uh, We ask your blessing and your hand of protection and your hand of healing on anyone this morning who is dealing with sickness or illness, Lord God, that you would uh, give them strength in their body and allow them uh, to draw closer to you in this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okie dokie. Let me see if I can get this to where... where I've got three things going on here at the same time, we're going to see if I can, I can do this. I was a little concerned at first because, you know, um, you're taking medication and you're trying to, um, you're you're trying to um, study, and you know, the, your brain doesn't always work the way you want it to. So, um, so I've done this a bit by bit throughout the week, and if it's a little disjointed, I apologize, but I think I think you guys will get it. So uh, do we have any specific prayer requests this morning? Uh, if we do, please uh, comment in the uh, uh, below in the comment section so that we will know about that. And, you know, of course, we're not going to do a time where we've got BRB online, uh, but uh, just want to remind you guys to continue to be faithful in, in your giving and in whatever way the Lord leads you to do that. Um, we make it pretty easy for you to do so. Uh, ju- you can just go on our website and do that, um, and then uh, of course I want to know if any of you guys are dealing with any sickness or anything like that, so that I can uh, I can be of service to you in whatever way I can, uh, if, if by nothing more than just lifting you up in prayer and, and praying for your healing. All right, so today we are going to start um, with a study, um, and I want to get you in a frame of mind first uh, before we. Um, before we really get into the nitty-gritty, and I want to talk about something that you probably understand, at least most of you should understand, given uh, what we just went through as a country, Um, and I want to draw a connection between this thing that you already understand and the biblical context to follow, and so I think you'll be able to follow my illustration. Um, We all live in the United States of America, And the USA is a sovereign nation. Um, It's limited in its sovereignty, obviously. It's not sovereign in the same way that we call God sovereign, right? He is infinitely sovereign. But the United States of America clearly is not. Only God is infinitely sovereign. But that word sovereign means that it has dominion or power over a particular geographical boundary, okay? Um, The United States of America has an economy, and an official currency that represents our economy. And with that currency, uh, our nation pays its debts or doesn't pay its debts. As we know, our national debt is uh, higher than it's ever been. And the citizens of this nation can utilize that currency as well. We have that $1 bill, the $5 bill, the $10 bill. And this sovereign nation, the United States of America, has decreed that within its borders, that currency, that paper money that we carry around has a specific value within the boundaries of our nation and within um, any other nation that would consider it of value and worth. Okay, so here's where it kind of gets a little more interesting. As we know, every four years there's an election that takes place in our country, and that election dictates which person will hold the executive position of power and authority as a steward over the affairs of the United States of America, okay? That representative is called the President of the United States, and he is not the sovereign power. The, The President is not a king. He does not rule over the people. But in our uh, system, in our situation, we, the people are the king. Okay. And he, we put him there, uh, as a representative, as a steward of our sovereign power. And we call his four year term or possibly an eight year term, depending upon, you know, how well he does. Uh, we call that an administration. Okay. So in my lifetime, Maybe in your lifetime, you've had more or less. But in my lifetime, there was the Carter administration. Then there was the Reagan administration. Then there was Bush Sr. Then there was Clinton. Then there was Bush Jr. And then there was Obama, then Trump, and now Biden. And for the next four years, we are all Biden our time. Okay? Just a, just a little joke there for you on a Sunday morning. Uh, each of those administrations approached... Um, their, their stewardship differently. They approached their job differently. Each uh, steward had their own plan of how they would conduct foreign affairs, as well as domestic policy, um, such as tax law, education, social security. You guys get this. You're familiar with this because it comes around every four years, right? Every two years, if you want to look at um, the uh, Congress. And, of course, um, they discuss how they're going to handle the economy, how that affects the value of the currency, and, in turn, ultimately the well-being of the people. So, for instance, if if one president decides, his administration decides to print more money, then, of course, there's more money flooded into the marketplace, and the value of the dollar goes down, all of that, okay? So, in four years, if the people do not like how that president is doing... Okay, based upon our system, um, how that that president has stewarded as as a representative, then election day is judgment day. Okay, in their estimation, they either allow the steward to stay and they give them a commission or a term for the next four years or they send them packing and replace them with a new administration, a new commission, a new plan. Okay, and that's the cycle. That's the way it's supposed to work. All right, authority is given to a representative or a steward of the sovereign. That administrator, uh, administrator begins their stewardship. They enact plans uh, for this government, okay, to govern in the sovereign affairs of the people. Their term comes to a close either after four years or eight years uh, based upon how the citizens judged or rewarded them according to how they believe they stewarded, okay? We all get that, correct? Give me a thumbs up or say amen if you understand what I'm talking about here, okay? Um, It's it's important for us, the body of Christ, to understand the concept of stewardship and administration because that is actually the system that God has used from the very beginning of time in order to enact His purpose and His plan, okay? Do we have any... Oh, is it bothering people? It's not bothering people. It's just very hard to see your eyes. It's what? Hard to see your eyes. Okay. All right. I will try my best to read. <laughs> I'm not sure I can do that. Um, okay. I don't think I can do okay. that. It's <laughs> uh-uh. <I'm> not happening. <laughs> okay. I guess I've reached that point, folks. So um, I will tell you what I'll do when I talk to you. I'll try to take them off and talk to you. And then when I need to read, I will... Uh, do this. Maybe I can blow this up a little bit to where I can see it better. Okay, let me see if that works. I think I can get through that, and maybe they'll adjust here in a minute. Okay, so um, first there's this overarching plan of God that from Genesis through Revelation is moving forward uh, ultimately to the plan that God himself says that he will accomplish, okay? And by the end, every spiritual being, now I'm including the the fallen spiritual beings that God created in the beginning. He created the heavens and the earth. He created spiritual beings known as Elohim, and he created uh, physical beings here on the earth. And every spiritual being that has been created, whether human or Elohim spiritual beings, will either have chosen to walk in the light and choose God or they will choose to walk in the darkness and reject God. Do you understand that? So that is what God has given us. And we choose whether or not we're going to accept or reject that. So there is that larger grand scheme of things, concept of stewardship, uh, bringing judgment or reward that we should all understand because you and I will be held accountable. Okay. Um, However, it's vital that we understand that within that overarching plan, there are segments or periods of time throughout human history. Um, you might call them different administrations, different terms, in which God chose a steward, or s- which sometimes was one steward and sometimes was a group of people, Okay, and He chose them to represent Him, uh, to enact His purpose within the earth, as well as in the affairs of mankind through that steward or through the group of people. And as the steward represents God well, um, then the parameters that God gave them to obey, okay, and we're going to go through this so you understand, then that person, that steward, and the people group were in right relationship with God. But if they chose to reject Him and disobey, then it led to uh, failure, and then God would then offer a new opportunity, a new reality, a new form of existence in which they would then obey Him, or could obey Him, and uh, be in right relationship with Him. So I want to start, oh, I'm getting that over, I gotta, let me, let me mess with this just for a second, I'm going to start here, we've got your notes here, this is when you can kind of refer to this this uh, area over here, Okay. So, first of all, uh the very first theocratic administrator, and I call him a theocratic administrator because he was God's man, okay? Adam was God's man. So, Theos, theocratic Uh, We have a democratic society. Well, this was a theocratic. This was God choosing one man to be his representative within the earth, and he gave him power and dominion to rule. We see that in the book of Genesis, okay? And this was the administration of innocence, okay? And here's the reality that Adam lived in. He lived in a sinless environment. Heaven and earth were combined on the holy mountain. We've studied this uh, at the beginning of our series, and it was the Garden of Eden. And there was fellowship between the earthly and the heavenly until, of course, a twin rebellion occurred. Now, Adam's responsibilities were this, that he kept the Garden of Eden in check. God told him, do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he told him, he commissioned him to be fruitful multiply across the earth, subdue it, and take dominion, okay? So that was his administration, and that's how I want you to look at this. And this is actually the word that uh, the Bible uses later on. All right, now, of course, we know that there was a judgment day, that Adam failed in this task. Uh, he and Eve um, rebelled against God, as did uh, the, uh, the Satan uh, when he deceived them. And, of course, the judgment day resulted in them being kicked out of the garden. Uh, Then of the curses, the pain in childbirth, uh, working by the sweat of your brow, thorns and thistles, uh, the earth would yield, right? And then the worst of which was spiritual death, spiritual separation between God. And then eventually we see that uh, Adam died. Um, he, He faced physical death. Okay, now switch there. Okay, it's working. All right. Now, question. Let me ask you a question. During that time, could Adam and his descendants have offered a sacrifice of an animal for salvation? Could Adam and his descendants at that time had accepted the finished work of Christ on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection for salvation? Absolutely not, they could not have, because Christ had not yet been crucified, the uh, or the system of the law and the system of sacrifice had not yet been set up for them to find salvation or to be in right relationship with God, okay? So, um, the way they stayed right with God was to obey the commands that God had set before them during that particular administration. Do you guys understand that? Um, give me, uh, say yes, amen, thumbs up, whatever, uh, in order to let me know. And Crystal, let me know if you guys are following. If not, just put a big arg with an emoji like, you know, you you don't understand and, and I'll try to simplify it a little more. All right. So the second administration is the administration of uh, conscience. Okay. And the administrator, it was mankind. And then later there was a chosen administrator at the end of this, and that would be Noah. Okay. And their reality at this time was that they lived in a sinful, wicked environment. Okay. Still subjected to the curses that we see in Genesis. But the Bible tells us that every man uh, allowed their conscience to to lead them, okay? They were no longer innocent, all right? But their conscience led them, and their responsibilities during this time were to work, to produce food. Vegetation, by the way, very specific, that before the flood, there was no killing of animals for food, that it was still gardening and farming before during this period of time, okay? And again, working by the sweat of your brow. And what do we see happen? Well, eventually the judgment day was the global flood and God chose Noah then to, to be his representative, to move out of that administration of conscience into the next administration, which is what we would call the administration of human government. Okay. And this is where, and we've studied through these as well in the beginning stages of this series. Okay. Okay. So, so the global flood happened, it changed everything, okay? Um, it, it changed the Earth itself in monumental, epic ways. Um, his reality, Noah's reality, and the descendants of of Noah after this point in time was that they lived now in a remade broken world, the same world that now we live in. Okay. Uh, A new water cycle, the clouds, the rainbow, we see that all of that was put in place at the end of the flood. Every man once again allowed their conscience to lead them. Uh, Animals were now afraid of mankind. And this began the predator-prey relationship in creation. And then we begin to see that God told Noah that from here on, you were going to have to kill animals for food, that uh, all of this would be given for food for you. He just gave them a strict rule that you do not eat the meat with blood in it, that you need to thoroughly cook it. Now, um, always built within the those commands of God is um, protection okay? Clearly, they did not have the medical advances that we have today, and they would have gotten all kinds of weird diseases and parasites from, from uh, eating undercooked meat. So, God made that part of the plan that you need to cook the, the meat until the blood is completely gone out of it, okay? Um, and then he, um, so his responsibilities during this time, God said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, which was incidentally the same as what he gave Adam. And, um, and, and, of course, what did we see? They failed at this. Um, not specifically Noah, but his descendants failed at this uh, commission that he was given because they settled in the, the plain of Shinar, and they built a city, and we know that city to be uh, Babel. But also notable during this time is that God set up capital punishment, meaning if a human kills another human, God would re- require the blood of that human uh, to be spilt, Uh, as a form of justice, okay? Um, Now, Judgment Day came uh, during the end of this administration as well. And the way judgment came here was that God confounded or confused their languages and He scattered them. And when He scattered them, He also scattered the fallen spiritual beings, the, the fallen Elohim that we studied about in our study, The Principalities and Powers, And he created 70 new nations, and he separated them according to the number of these fallen Elohim, okay? And from then on, uh, or shortly thereafter, they would be known as the Gentile nations, okay? Um, Because we'll see in the next part, um, God was going to do something new, all right? So the next one, the next uh, period was known as the administration of covenantal promise, and this was—you uh, could also refer to this as the kingdom. These were the Abrahamic promises, the covenant that God made with Abraham and all his descendants. Not to be confused with the next one, which we'll get to in a minute. So, um, this—the administrator was Abraham or Abram, who God changed his name to Abraham and his descendants, and. His reality was that he lived among the pagan nations, but God called him out from those pagan nations. He became a nomad and a wanderer, okay? But he was in covenant with Almighty God. And the important thing to understand about the Abrahamic covenant is this, that it was not, okay, God's gonna do this if Abraham holds up his end of the deal. No, what we see in this covenant is that God came and fulfilled both sides of the covenant. He walked through the pieces as both a flaming torch and a smoking oven. Okay, So God himself was the representative within the the covenant of Abraham. And that's really important to understand because that means that it doesn't matter how many times Abraham and the descendants of Abraham broke that covenant, God was going to be faithful to those covenantal promises which are different than of course uh, the next uh, period of time that we'll talk about in a minute but when they broke it there were consequences there were no consequences when Abraham and his descendants broke uh, the covenantal promise okay that was an everlasting covenant so important to to understand that that God was not going to be finished with them if they broke that because God kept both ends of the deal and Christ himself fulfilled that. Okay. So um so his responsibilities were to leave your family, leave your country and go into a new land and dwell there which was the land of Canaan. Okay, and again, God would call him out from among the Gentiles and make of him a new nation, a nation for God's own possession. And from then on, we have the nations, the Gentiles, and we have Israel, the descendants of Abraham. And it is going to remain that for the remainder of human history. Okay, and then, of course, we have the judgment. Um, Abraham's descendants didn't do exactly what God told them to do, but God uh, informed Abraham right from the beginning that your descendants are going to be taken into a strange land, and they are going to be made slaves, okay? And that's exactly what happened. Um, we see the story of the the twelve sons of Israel, of Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel when he wrestled with God, and his twelve sons then sold, uh, I'm sorry, his sons sold Joseph into slavery in Egypt, and then, of course, um, Joseph was raised to the highest point uh, under Pharaoh himself, and during that period, a fascinating period of human history, um, Joseph uh, then brought his family into Egypt, and then later Pharaoh forgot that, that uh, Joseph and his relationship, because it was a new Pharaoh, and then of course he placed the Egyptians, I'm sorry, the Hebrews under, uh, uh, slavery and used them. Okay. So that was the judgment at that time for them. Okay. Now next, of course, we have the next administration is the administration of the law. Okay. And of course it began, um, with Moses being this, uh, the, the, uh, steward or the, the administrator of this period of the law. But this is an extremely long, period, all right, uh, of administration, and it it goes from Exodus all the way to the book of Acts, okay, as far as this period of time. Their reality was that they wandered in the desert for a period. Eventually, they settled in the promised land as God promised them. They were unfaithful to the uh, Mosaic law, and because of that, there were consequences, all right. They fought uh, many enemies, they were conquered when they were unfaithful, they were led into captivity when they were unfaithful, but eventually they were freed, and then that cycle just continued over and over again, and eventually Christ came, Jesus came, to fulfill the law, and he did that by, of course, offering himself as the final sacrifice uh, on the cross, his, his burial, and his resurrection, and he was raised triumphant, okay? Um, now, their responsibilities were to keep the law perfectly. And, of course, we know they couldn't do that. We see David lament because of after King David, after all of his mistakes he made. He was a man after God's own heart, yet made some of the most horrific mistakes of any man of God that we see in Scripture. And the purpose of all of this, you guys, is to show that man simply can't do it on his his own, that he, that he cannot walk with God unless God himself is the one carrying him. All right. And that's such a beautiful picture. So, um, as a nation, here's how they failed as, as a nation Israel, they rejected God, the father by killing the prophets during this period. They rejected the son by killing Jesus on the cross and they rejected the Holy spirit, um, when the Holy Spirit came and offered the gospel, okay? And this culminated in the stoning of Stephen. And this is when we see finally um, this new age, this new age come about, the age of uh, the body of Christ, okay? So their judgment at the end of this administration of the law or the Mosaic law was that um, they were cut off and scattered to the four corners of the earth. Okay. Israel received a partial hardening and they would not change. That hardening would not change until they come to the time of tribulation by fire, which was called the time of Jacob's trouble, right? The time of, uh, um, of, of, uh, persecution of Israel. And, and, of course, that is talking about the end times. And this brings us to the next administration, which is the administration of grace, okay? And the administrators were, early on, the apostles. They were the foundation. The apostles and the prophets uh, of the early church, they were the foundation that the body of Christ was built upon, okay? Um, the, uh, their reality... Was that the work had already been done? It is finished. Christ uh, was uh, crucified, made that final sacrifice for sin once for all. And Jesus said, It is finished. And he was raised triumphant over death and the consequences and the power of sin. And now, of course, we've received the first fruits of the Spirit, uh, but we have not yet received the fullness. Of uh, what is in store for us because uh, we have yet to receive our, our new glorified bodies at the resurrection or the time of the rapture for, the, for us. And of course, what are our responsibilities during this time? Our responsibility is to rest in His grace, the finished work of His death, burial, and resurrection. Look forward to the blessed hope, the return of Christ, and the physical fulfillment of glorification. Physical perfection, as God's Word tells us, that when we see Him, we shall be like Him, okay? And it's interesting that the Apostle Paul uses the word, this Greek word, oikonomia. And it's actually where we get our word, economy, okay? And now you're going to see why I tied together the presidential administrations and the terms of office and their commissions. And all of that, because I feel like if you understand that, then you can understand where we are now. And you can see these administrations throughout history, okay? So the word akoinomia is translated using several words in Scripture. And I, I wish they hadn't done that, but but, in, but they did. And so what I want to do now is point out to you each time this word is used, okay, as it's translated in several different ways. Uh, Administration is one of the ways that it's translated. It's also translated as commission, stewardship, or plan. And there's one other word that we'll talk about in a minute. And as I said, it's unfortunate that the translators were not more consistent in translating this word, oikonomia, into one word rather than several different words in all these different passages because I think the meaning and the purpose behind the word is important and it kind of loses some of its power when it's translated in different words. And, you know, if you see one word used several times, there's kind of a flag that goes up and causes you to look more closely at that. Well, what is it saying? Well, today, my, my hope is that I'm going to uh, set that flag in your mind so that you can see this word, a and how it's used and translated in all these different ways, but it means the same thing, okay? And here's what it means. The acting under authority of, or on account of another, a thing to be done as an agent for another, to empower or authorize as to give charge to perform certain acts, Okay, to authorize as an officer or administrator. So you see where I'm drawing uh, the comparison now to the president, how there's a sovereign and he is set as a steward or administrator on behalf of another. The Strong's Greek uh, describes it as management of a household affairs, stewardship, administration, from oikonomos, administration, or an economy. So, in our terms, we connect money with the economy, but in this term, in biblical terms, the word oikonomios, economy, means the whole thing, the whole administration, the whole commission, the whole uh, stewardship, time of stewardship, okay? And Paul himself uh, calls himself, describes himself as being one of the stewards in this manner, okay? Um, if we look at scripture, Colossians one twenty five. here we go. Um, Colossians, uh, it's cut off. Let me see if I can get that in. Is that? There we go. Did I get it in there for you? Okie doke. All right, Colossians 25. this is uh, Paul. I was made a minister according to the stewardship or a from God bestowed on me for your benefit so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. Okay, and now let's look at 1 Timothy 1.4. He says, do not pay attention to myths and endless genealogies which give rise to mere speculation rather than Furthering the administration or the ekonomios of God, which is by faith. So God's currency is always faith. That without faith, it is impossible to please God. And if you read Hebrews 11, he goes through this whole thing about how faith is God's currency. That faith is the way that you are in right relationship with God. And through all of these different things, uh, Adam and Noah and Uh, Abraham and Moses, all of these different stewards, the way they were in right relationship with God was by putting their faith in Him and obeying. They were looking ahead to the fulfillment of the promise of Christ coming and setting up His kingdom. We, of course, look behind us to something that's already happened in the past, and we put our faith in the finished work of Christ. Okay, so I want you to understand that the currency that the money, the value, the thing that makes us in right relationship with God has always been faith in God and obedience. Uh, we just enact it in different ways. Okay, so here he's saying, don't pay attention to myths and genealogies which give rise to speculation rather than following, uh, furthering the equinomias, uh, the economy of God, which is by faith. Now look at Ephesians 3.2. If indeed... Uh, if, if indeed you have heard the administration of the okoinomios of God's grace, which was given to me for you. So, Paul's saying, I have been given as a steward during this administration, this period of grace, okay? I have been given to preach to the Gentiles the gospel of grace. Now, Paul really nails it in the next passage because he connects it in several ways that bring further clarity about the the, the timeline from Genesis to Revelation, okay? And here is this scripture in Ephesians 1, 9 through 10. He made known to us the mystery of his will, all right? Now, he's talking about specifically the period of the body of Christ, the mystery of his will. According to his good pleasure, which he set forth in him, regarding his plan, and there's the word, oikonomios, of the fullness of the times. Now, you could describe each and every one of these administrations as uh, as the times, the fullness of the times, and there's coming a point in time at the end that will be the fullness, the completion, right? The, the grand finale of all of these administrations is going to come to a close, and that's what Paul is talking about here. He's saying the fullness of times to bring all things together in Christ. Things in the heavens and things on earth. So again, he's saying here there is going to come a time in the future, the fullness of times, the grand finale, when all things are brought under the headship of Christ, where once again the heavens and the earth will be brought together again as it was in Eden, okay? And Paul is saying here there was a mystery to this Specific part of his will that has been revealed for Paul, as he mentions in Ephesians 3 2, was specifically placed as an, an administrator or a steward in the economy or the stewardship of grace. Do you guys get that? Okay, so Paul's economy is one of many that I again fit within this fullness of time, and eventually the space of the heavens and the earth, all things will be brought together under the headship of Christ, and that is the final administration when Christ rules and reigns on the earth. But for now in this age, we will stand before the master of the household and we will give an account, all right, for how we managed what God has entrusted us, you and I. And the way we do that is, of course, putting our full faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. We do not do works for our salvation We do not have to prove ourselves to God. Christ has already done that. When He looks at us, He sees the blood of His Son. He sees the finished work of the cross. Now, what flows out of that uh, thankfulness and our love uh, of of being saved and being the, the benefactors of His grace is, of course, works that we have been created for. We work for Him because we love Him. We don't work for Him because we want to prove ourselves to Him, okay? So that's, that's pretty important to understand. You don't ever want to get, you don't ever want to mix grace and law together. Okay. So if you ever put a, um, uh, um, if you ever put a requirement on receiving grace or salvation, uh, by something that you do something that you have to do, then you're mixing grace and the law and that's called legalism. All right. And that is death. That's, That's death. So we want to stay away from that. We want to truly understand what it means to be a benefactor of grace, okay? Again, we have it easy because all we have to do is place our faith in Jesus Christ by grace through faith in Christ's finished work. That is the currency or form of payment within the economy of grace. And once you've accepted his his. final work it is finished okay that is the only way we can we can please god during this time and we get to rest in him we get to rest in the fact that everything that we have done everything that we'll do today everything that we'll do tomorrow right to fall short of god's glory christ has already paid the penalty for that and that is why it's amazing to be a recipient of grace okay um and this is, again, the, the other word now. I'm going to introduce to you this last word uh, for this word, a and it's translated as maybe some of you in your Bibles, it says dispensation. Okay? The, the term dispensation comes from the same word that we've been talking about this entire time. And as you can see, this is not something that's just been made up or new. We've seen this pattern of stewardship. Uh, throughout the different administrations all the way from Adam and Genesis all the way through the end of scripture where we'll see culminate in revelation and even in Jesus's parables he talked about this that this is God's pattern okay um in Matthew 25 write that down go look at the parable there the parable of the talents in Luke 12 the the essence again that the master is is uh left his um belongings uh in the hands of a steward and one day the master master will return and when he does the stewards will be held accountable they will either be judged or they will be rewarded based upon how they have handled the master's goods now Jesus was specifically talking to the little flock to Israel to to the the lost sheep of the tribe of Israel, and he said that on numerous occasions. Okay, um, so this this view of dispensationalism, which is has been dogged by by so many uh, over really recently and over the last 50 years or so, um, views the world as a household run by God from Genesis to Revelation. This is God's household. Okay. And in this household world, God is dispensing, the word dispensation, or administering uh, his affairs through the stewardship of mankind and through the work that he provides for them um, in order to find right relationship with him. And during these various stages, there have been new revelations, new realities, okay, like I said, Um, Noah was saved through the flood and he and his family were the only ones. Everyone else were wiped out, okay? Um, Noah could not make a sacrifice. Noah could not put his faith in Jesus Christ. It was a different time and a different reality. I hope you guys understand what I'm trying to get there. So these new realities, new opportunities to be in right relationship with the Heavenly Father. And these various stages mark different uh, economies, administrations, uh, within his overall divine purpose, because he's he's taking it all somewhere, okay? He's taking it all to this culminating period of time. And the understanding of God's different administ- administrations or dispensations is just vital to understanding end-time prophecy, okay? And that's why I'm bringing all this up. And we we y'all have been so patient with me as i've walked you through several things cuz we really haven't even got into looking to our modern days and the signs of our our the times in which we live and how the stage is being set up but i wanted to lay this foundation for you in talking about what uh premillennialism was what dispensationalism is uh, these different ages of administration uh, and learning about how God has used different um, periods of time and different stewards throughout time in order to enact his will uh, throughout the pages of scripture and throughout the pages of human history and it will all uh, culminate in one more administration that's left and that of course is the millennium okay the thousand-year reign of Christ. The administrator of this one is the last Adam, Paul calls him, and we know him uh, by the name of which there is no name greater, and that is the name of Jesus Christ. And the reality during the millennium, there's going to be a couple different realities because, um, you know, of course, uh, there will be those with glorified bodies that will be as Christ is. They will have this resurrected, glorified body. They will return to rule and reign with Christ during this thousand-year period of time. Um, there will be a period of righteous government, right? Everybody whining and complaining about how terrible the government is, and, and it is. And again, the point of all of these different administrations was to show that man when he is afforded every opportunity to do it right and to get it right, simply cannot get it right. His righteousness is as filthy rags, and the only hope is through Jesus Christ. But the millennium is interesting because it's pointing to this idea that that there's a period of time that even Christ himself, the perfect righteous judge and ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, over. Uh, man's domain, okay. Christ reigning from Jerusalem, Israel returning to uh, a—I uh, don't know why I have Star of World. Uh, it must have uh, spell-checked me there, but returning to um, a a position of world promise prominence um, as it shares in the gospel of the kingdom, okay. And these are where we see the prophecies of all the the, the Old Testament prophets talking about this period in which people will grab them, uh, uh, a Jew by the arm, and say, take me to the, the place where the Messiah dwells that where the king dwells, and they will share the gospel of the kingdom at that time. And the only responsibility during this time is to worship the king of kings and lord of lords. But the crazy thing about this, too, not that Christ failed, but that man will fail because at the end of this thousand-year reign, the Satan is released upon the earth once again to tempt the nations, and what will many of them do? They will shake their fist in the face of Jesus, and they will uh, rebel against him once again. And that will be the culmination of all the fullness of the times when, of course, Christ then, once and for all, will separate the sheep from the goats, the wheat from the tares, and he will cast all that is wicked into the lake of fire for eternity. And from then on, The righteous, made righteous by him and him alone, will live eternally in the eternal state. The new heavens and the new earth, when the heavens and the earth will be remade as they were in eternity before sin entered into the picture, and we will live for eternity, and righteousness will be locked in. No more will we be susceptible to evil because evil will be done away with, the last enemy death will be defeated and we will live eternally with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We will lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus, all authority that he, that that he had given us during that millennial reign. We will lay at the feet of Jesus and we will worship him forever and ever and ever. And it's not going to be this ethereal wispy floaty around in the clouds kind of reality. There's a new earth. We will get to live the way God originally intended for mankind to live in his righteousness, in his uh, sustenance. We will have everything that we will ever need. Uh, We will live. There will be no more sorrow, no more death, no more pain, no more separation. What a wonderful, amazing eternity it's going to be. Amen. So I just wanted to lay those things out for you guys today those different administrations so that you can see that there were different stewards and different periods of time and that now we are in the final stages, I believe, of the age or the administration of grace of the body of Christ. And that one will end when the church is taken up to be with the Lord in the clouds. And of course, that is when it reverts back to the final week of the former administration, which was that 70th week of Daniel, as we mentioned before, the time of Jacob's trouble, in which Israel will repent, and out of that seven-year tribulation, believing Israel will be ready to receive their Messiah when they look upon Him whom they pierced, and they will weep bitterly. Uh, both in sadness and gladness, as Christ will return to reign for a thousand years, and Israel will then live within the reality of the gospel of the kingdom during the millennium. So from here on out now, guys, next week we will begin starting to look at our particular uh, period, the times in which we live, and how we see the stage being set as we are headed toward um, the, the coming the rapture of the church and the coming of the Messiah and the tribulation and all of that. All right. So that's it for today. I hope I, uh, I hope you could follow along. Sorry that I was late in getting started, but, um, do we have any questions or comments? Krista's, uh, watching the feed. I can't see it, but any questions or comments right now, uh, that you guys would like to ask. anybody? Nope. Okay. All right. Well then I'm going to pray and we're going to shut this down and, uh, we will hopefully we will see you guys next week, um, back at the, uh, South County rec center in person and, uh, we'll worship together and we'll continue this, uh, this study together. Let's pray. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you are encouraged by the truth of God's word. If you're in the Tulsa area and are looking for a local church family that teaches God's Word, then join us at 1030 every Sunday morning. Or you can join us live online on our Facebook page or YouTube channel. Until next time, brothers and sisters, as Paul instructed, rejoice, be made complete, be comforted, be like-minded, and live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you.